What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Made to Win podcast. Um, on this podcast, we focus on our soul health, discipleship, emotional health, just our inner selves. You know, um, I think a new tagline I'm working with is you were made to win, but it starts with losing yourself so that you can find life in Christ. And so um, that's what this whole podcast is about. Don't forget, you can check us out on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow all those fun things. But today I want to jump in because it's not a new guest, but uh, last time it was he was a guest of kind of a, a circle or a, a community of people. And I'm pumped to just have a one-on-one -on -one conversation today with the Wade Joy. What's up, man? Hey, Brandon. It's good to be here. Thanks for uh, having me back. Yeah, man. I've been so pumped to have this conversation, especially just watching um, kind of you've been a busy man. I mean, like I'm seeing some of the stuff that you're, uh, the guys got you on and, and your journey right now. And I'm just like, man, uh, my, my man is killing it right now. Oh, thank um, you. Website. It's, it's definitely been a, it's been a full, a full year. I'll say that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And we'll talk about this too, toward the end, but you know, you got website, podcast, ebook, writing a book. I saw that you got your first, uh, book deal, which is super cool, man. I'm pumped for that. Oh, thank you. And then, of course, traveling and speaking and coaching worship leaders, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was actually just talking with somebody right before um, I hopped on with you about how there's a lot of irons in the fire right now. And I'm really praying through, you know, God, how do I how do I focus in this next season? Yeah. So maybe maybe we'll get into all that, too. But well, just a quick, you know, maybe if somebody's listening today and they don't know who Wade Joy is. Give us just a, you know, 30,000 foot view of who you are, um, where you're located and kind of the journeys God, God's got you on right now. Yeah. So um, I am married with three girls, uh, three daughters. So my wife is Ferris. We've been married for 17 years now. And mm -hmm. then I have um, twin daughters who are 14. I have my youngest daughter who will be 10 on uh, this coming Sunday when we record this. And so I love, I love my family. So that's like the, the main thing you should know. I, I love um, just the gift that they are to me. And I, uh, we're a ministry family. So I was on staff at Elevation Church as the worship pastor for almost 15 years and stepped off staff last December, December, 2021 to preach and teach and, and try to share with, with other believers, a lot of the journey that God's had me on in the last couple of years, um, because it really changed my life. And I felt like God was asking me to steward that and share that with others as well. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a retired worship leader. So <laughs> there was, there was a day when I would write songs and, and sing them and jump around on stage at church, but I'm too old for that now. <laughs> Man, that's super cool. Well, it's an honor to have you on this episode. And today I wanted to talk about, you know, this kind of these rhythms to renew your soul. Um, you know, it was cool a few weeks ago. I got to have a, I got to have a conversation with um, Pastor Jonathan Moynihan from Baltimore Mosaic Church and got to hear kind of his journey, you know, as well into this whole um, soul health, emotional health. Um, and really, it, you know, if we're honest, it is discipleship to Jesus, right? Because mm -hmm. all of this stuff, I think, you know, discipleship has turned into, for a lot of churches, it's turned into programs or classes 
or things like that. But, um, man, what I'm finding in my journey through this, man, it is truly um, a transformation of the soul. And uh, right. so, I, I mean, I want you to kind of just take a few moments to share um, the last couple of years, how you've gotten to where you're at today, where this has become a, a, a really a primary focus of your own ministry, mm-hmm. your own life. Yeah. Well, first of all, um, I wish I was going before Jonathan Moynihan because everything he says <laughs> sounds so intelligent and now I have to follow him. So thanks uh, for that. Hey, okay. no. <laughs> um, no, he's awesome. But yeah, this, this journey that God's had me on really, it's not an, um, an overstatement to say that it's changed my life um, in the last several years. I grew up in the church. Uh, my granddad was a pastor. My dad was the music minister. My mom played the keys at church and my aunt and uncle were the youth pastor. So I was like a, a ministry kid growing up. Mm-hmm. And it, there was a lot of good to that because I grew up in the church. But I remember always feeling from an early age that I had to do the right things. I had to look the part, say the right things. And, and as I got older, Uh, I started to run away from anything that felt legalistic because of how constraining that was for me as a kid. And while there was, um, there was merit to that, what I realized as I've um, just navigated the spiritual journey in the last three or four years, that so much of my life, I had run away from legalism. And what that caused me to do was really run away from discipline. And I started to confuse legalism and discipline and they're not the same thing. Yeah. Um, and so I'll come back to that in a second, but I was, you know, I was serving as the worship pastor at Elevation Church, like I said, and it's a fast paced ministry. I was getting to do so many things that I loved and got to see my three girls give their life to Christ and got to do so many of the things that were my dreams in ministry. Mm. But I hit a point in June of 2020 which none of us are really doing great at that point anyway. So (laughs) not to, not to try to take us back to that, but I remember I was, I was sitting on my back porch and it was the birthday week for my twins. So we were celebrating, they were running around in the backyard and we had people over and I was just sitting there having this internal conversation with God and just telling the Lord, Lord, I, I've preached that we're supposed to have abundant life in Christ. I've, preach that your yoke is easy and your burden is light, that there's peace in your name. And right now I feel none of it. Mm -hmm. I feel no real presence of you in my life. I feel depleted. I feel drained. And we were coming out, not just, you know, all the stuff with, with COVID, but my youngest daughter has cystic fibrosis. So we had been worried about her. We were trying to figure out church in this new world. All this stuff was weighing down on me. And I was just crying out to God on that back porch saying, God, I need help. I need to know that you're here. I need you to heal my soul. And I felt like the Lord in a very clear way in my spirit said, well, you're not giving me any space to do that healing work in you um, because you have no discipline. You have no healthy rhythms. And that's why I realized that in an effort to not be legalistic over the years, I had stopped having any consistent disciplines of discipleship, of prayer, of Bible study beyond just checking off a list that I'd done my quiet time or that, you know, I had to prepare a message at church or something like that. And I felt like God was saying, it's not just those rhythms that you've got to get 
under control and established in a healthy way. But even my exercise, my diet, all these things were connected. And so I came out of that season, number one, realizing I can't do everything at once. I can't like, you know, start praying for an hour tomorrow. I can't completely change the way I eat. But we started, my wife and I, establishing like small practices, small rhythms Mm -hmm. that eventually led to, to new rhythms and praying for five minutes or being in silence for five minutes became 10 minutes, became 15. And all of those things started to stack up. And even with my physical health, as that got better, I found I had more energy to bring my best as a husband, as a father, as a pastor. And all of this stuff started to compound over the next six months um, to where I realized that I had been missing this my whole life as a Christian. And if I'd been missing this, maybe everybody else has too. Yes. And I, I had tried to disciple others and create experiences for other people to encounter God without ever really discipling myself and teaching myself how to encounter God. And so that is, it changed everything about my life. And I found that a lot of the, the struggles didn't go away. The, the pressures of life didn't go away, but now I had a base of a foundation of peace and a foundation of God's presence that I was more aware of mm. and healing that was taking place when I actually prioritized the space for it to happen. Yes. man, that's so good. You know, I just taught our staff today um, about a rule of life. You know, we've been going through this whole, I don't know if you've read, um, I, I may have texted it to you. I can't remember uh, Ruth Haley Barton, strengthening the soul of your leadership. Did I, did I, I, it to you? I think you have, but I haven't read it yet. Oh my gosh, man. It's so good. Um, you know, the, the whole premise is really about solitude, but, um, you know, it's, it, she basically goes on Moses's journey, um, of how his soul was strengthened through one-on-one times with the presence of the Lord. And, um, but I was telling them, you know, like, you know, especially with the monastic practices, I think, you know, you mentioned something that I thought was interesting. It seems like people live in the extremes, you know, mm-hmm. if they feel like, man, this is legalism, well, then they just run as far away from any kind of discipline whatsoever. Um, but then, it, you know, there is a level where, you know, we do make these things the end instead of the means to the end. Right. And, you know, I think the conversation is like, I don't do these things to be holy. I, I, I do these things to lead me to the holy one. Right. Right. And so. Well, well even that, that, um, with legalism, realizing that legalism is really performance-based. It's trying to appear righteous before God. It's trying to appear holy before others. Mm-hmm. And you can never do that. It's a it's a losing battle. It's too crushing a weight to bear. But discipline is structuring your life around your priorities, around your passions, around mm-hmm. saying, this is where I find life. Yeah. So if this is where life is. I want to be here. <laughs> and I want to orient my life around this. And it's two different ways to view faith to view your walk with the Lord. Um, one is very, um, it, it's like I said, it's, it's defeating. Um, it, it's crushing and the other is life-giving. Yes. It's, it's where you can flourish. And that's what abiding in Christ really is. Because mm. even realizing when Jesus said, um, you will abide in my love if you obey my commands. I used to think abiding was just thinking good thoughts about God every now mm. and then, but abiding actually it takes intentionality. It takes obedience. It takes discipline to actually not receive God's love, but actually to become aware of it yeah. and walk in the, in the fullness of it. 
Man, that's so good. And it is interesting, you know, because I think, um, you know, some of the conversations we've been having is like, I think when you are, when your outer world has completely been torn down, I think, you know, you mentioned COVID being one of those moments where it's like, Mm -hmm. you have nothing left of your outer world. That is when truly your inner world is exposed. Yeah. And there's this moment of awareness where it's like, man, what have I really been doing to my soul? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think even the conversation that I've been having with our staff in church, like I'm actually, of course, this podcast will air a few weeks later, but um, we're in, we're going to be in the middle of this vision series. I'm starting it this Sunday, actually, but called an awakening. I feel like that's the journey I've been on. It's just this moment of awareness Mm -hmm. of just like, man, something's missing from, from this whole journey, because uh, I don't know if you had a chance to, are you familiar with uh, John Mark's, John Mark Comer's practicing the way stuff? I am. I don't know if you were able to log on to their conference, but man, it was so much. It was so good, man. It was so the, the What I saw was, um, well, this wasn't the practice. Sorry. I'm actually thinking of the 24 seven prayer conference. Yes. yes. Um, where I, I heard a sermon on prayer from Tim Mackey that blew my mind, but maybe we can talk about that yeah. later. I, I didn't yeah. get to see the practicing the way with the, but you know, it's just this, um, uh, this moment of realization, you know, where it's like, man, I don't know if I want to spend the rest of my life trying to build church around a stage only, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, and I think Comer, it's either Comer or Staten just talked about how like the difference between building church around a stage versus building church around a table, you know, and really living out these practices in this life, this abundant life, you know, mm-hmm. not just, prom- you know, I think the problem is, is we promote a life that some of us don't live ourselves. <laughs> yeah. You know? And um, so it's just getting to that place where it's like, man, I really want that. Ab- I want that abundant life to be as attractive in my own life as it was in Jesus's. There was something about Jesus, the way he lived that people said, that's different. Yeah. That's different. Well, there's, um, I wish I could find the quote, but there's uh, in, in Dallas Willard's book, Spirit of the Disciplines, mm. he talks about how, we all want the power that Jesus showed in his life. You know, we want to be able um, to do these amazing things that Christ did, but we're unwilling to live the life that Christ lived mm-hmm. and order our lives around the same priorities. Yeah. And yes, life, life is different now. It's not saying you have to go back and be a nomad in, right. <laughs> in the Middle East, right. but you do see that Jesus practiced regular solitude, mm-hmm. regular prayer, he um, he practiced community. He practiced a way of life that is accessible to us through the power of the spirit. But mm. we don't prioritize that same thing. And because we don't prioritize it, I believe we don't access that same power. Mm. Man, that's so good. Well, and it's, you know, conversation we're having too is this whole thing. Like we are being formed by something or someone, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you think about the time we invest in being formed by the spirit versus the time that's being invested in being formed by the world. And it's like, well, no wonder, you know, I've got all this anxiety or these insecurities or worries or, you know, these different things. It's that I'm just battling in our spirit and our soul. And it's because we're not making ourselves available well, wow. you know, the presence of God. So, man, that's, that's so good. So why do you think, I mean, I know, I know we've kind of already just dove in, but why do you think it is vital for a believer to focus on their inner world and to 
bring back some of these practices that are so, so rich in life giving. I mean, I think it's vital because that's what Jesus focused on. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, if you look at the teachings of Jesus, it always started in the heart and he always stressed that it's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't just address a lustful action. Um, he would address the lustful thought underneath the action. Yeah. And so I think your inner world will always affect your outer world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you, you talked about renewal and, and, you know, being shaped by something else. But even when, when Paul's talking about being transformed by the renewing of your mind, um, we don't experience the peace of God, the joy of God, the fruits of the spirit without renewing the way we actually look at our life, without renewing our thought patterns, without, um, I had a friend of mine one time tell me his number one piece of advice was being ruthless about making the right heart choice. Because when he did that, um, that is when he gave the Holy Spirit space to actually produce the fruits of the Spirit in him, even if he didn't feel like it at the time. Mm. And so I think church today, even in when you're talking about building it around a stage, when you build something around a stage, then the level of transformation that you're asking of somebody is very low. You're just asking them to show up at an event. Yes. And that's, that's, it's event management. Right. But if you're, if you're building it around a table, if you're building it around relationship and intimacy, that's an internal transformation. That's a higher level of transformation that you're fostering, that you're, that you're trying to elicit. And so I think the whole Christian life is about heart transformation. Mm. Yet we spend so much time thinking it's about behavior modification and I do think heart transformation leads to behavior change, but it has to go in that order. It can't go in the reverse order. Yeah. Um, and so I just look at, at what Jesus focused on and Jesus focused on the heart. And then that led to transformed lives. Mm. And so that's where I want to start with my life too. And, you know, and I think what's powerful about that too, you know, when you talk about him focusing on the heart is, it just seemed like it was always a beautiful invitation to watch how he lived his life. You know, when you think about discipleship, the whole idea of being with Jesus, be like Jesus, live your life as Jesus, if Jesus were you, you know, it's that moment in John one where John the Baptist disciples get pointed in the direction of Jesus and mm-hmm. he says, what do you want? You know? And, and then he invites them to come and see, you know, in the mm-hmm. Bible, says they spent the rest of the day with him. And I think about all the moments when people ask Jesus questions. I don't think we realize the depth of like, here are some Jewish men who grew up in the Hebrew ways, asking him to teach them how to pray. Like there had to be something about Jesus's prayer life that was so unique and powerful for them to say like, I know we've been taught how to pray before, but there's something different about this way of praying. Yeah. I want to know how to pray like you pray. Yes. Yes. And that to me is the beauty of, you know, this, these practices and the beauty of getting to that inner part of yourself. Cause I think that was the problem he was trying to point out with the Pharisees is like, they've got a lot of behaviors down. Mm -hmm. Um, Their hearts are far from me. 
And like, you think about the sting of that moment. Like these are people that everybody else thought if anybody's going to heaven, it's these guys. If anybody is God, it's these guys. And yet they were the furthest away from God. (laughs) Well, and, and what I also find is when we put in these rhythms of prayer, of contemplation, of silence, of, of letting the Holy Spirit search your heart, that, in my experience, is when a lot of these sins and this dysfunctional um, thought pattern or uh, or emotions, those start to come to the surface mm. when I actually create the space for God to search my heart and to point them out. Because there's a lot of, like you said, there's certain, we all know how to play the part right yeah. now. But we tend to give ourselves a pass and other people a pass for certain sins that we believe are socially acceptable. So we give jealousy a pass. We give bitterness a pass. We give certain lustful thoughts a pass. There's all these kind of things that we just think are okay and we just kind of push them down and down in our heart. But those are the things that end up taking root and cause the most damage and destruction over time, the things that we're not willing to identify or name. And I think it's what I found is it's in this time of silence that I'm forced to confront those things about myself and bring them into the light of Jesus, not in a way that brings condemnation, but actually it's, there's so much love and grace and forgiveness that happens in that when you realize the depth of God's love for you and that there's no shame in bringing this to him. Um, And so that's been such a freeing part of it too. And sometimes it's a painful part to confront and realize, Oh gosh, I didn't realize there was so much pride in me right now. Yeah. But if I never stopped, to just be still, I could go for years just pushing that down and never dealing with it. Mm. And I think that is one of the most valuable things in the, in the, you know, kind of the weaponry of a, of a believer is confession. Right. But it's, it's the one thing that we're so terrified of and ashamed of, but it's the one thing that actually can lead to freedom. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that is some of the issues with, the way people approach church now, you know, church is the place where you have to show up and you got to act right, dress right, you know, make sure that you're not misbehaving, you know, but I love what Rich always, always get confused on how to say his name. I think it's Rich Viados. Um, but, uh, you know, he pastored, he pastors, uh, Peace Cazero's church. church he yeah. And, um, you know, he said church should be the place where all the broken believers show up with that, admission mm-hmm. of I'm that's why I'm here I'm here because I'm <laughs> right. broken uh not because I have it all together you know in the south and I know you probably experienced this in North Carolina too but it's like I don't know how many conversations you ever have with people where it's like hey I would love to for you to come to church with me and by and it's like I've got some things in my life I need to get cleaned up before I can come to church you know mm-hmm. and it's like me too, bro. You know? <laughs> we all do. Yeah, we all do. Well, even when Paul says, um, for his power is made perfect in my weakness, I tend to want to hide my weakness. Mm. But when I do that, what I'm doing is I'm denying myself access to God's power. And and I think there's, there's power, number one, in bringing it to light before the Lord. But then also, there's power that I can access through somebody else who says, Hey, I'm right there with you. I've been through that too. Let me help you. And I close myself off from that when I'm not willing to confess, when I'm not willing to be vulnerable. Yeah. Um, there's the part in a, that I was recently studying. You brought up John the Baptist earlier, but it's when John the Baptist is in prison and he has his moment 
that that on the surface it, it looks like doubt where he's one he sends the message to Jesus of are you the one who is to come or is there someone else mm-hmm. and I was reading that recently and I was struck that for John to get that message to Jesus and then to get the reassurance where Jesus says tell John what you see and hear he had to first open up and confess his doubt uh, and his weakness to his friends he had to actually open up to the people that they were his disciples. They were, he was their teacher. So he had to step down from a position of strength and say, I don't know what's going on anymore. I need you to go get this message to Jesus. So he had to be vulnerable with them to receive yeah. the reassurance that he needed from the Lord. Wow. And that's just encouraged me that um, sometimes the, the most faith-filled thing you can say, not just to God, but to other people is help. Mm. And, and that's when you can truly access power. That's so good. I'm writing that one down. That's good. <laughs> it's something that God's really, because I I tend to not want to do that. I tend to want to look like I have it all together. And so this is something that the Lord's really just hammering home with me. Like, you, you've got to stop doing that. Well, I mean, Jesus did it, right? I mean, in the mm-hmm. party. Yeah. I mean, he, he had to come back and, and, and even trust in the, these human relationships, you know, Hey guys, I need you to pray for me right now. Right. My soul, so true. My soul is so broken at the point of, you know, despair, you know, mm-hmm. like that's to me, that is such a powerful, vulnerable moment for the son of God, right. Where he is, yeah. it's written down for everybody to read that even the son of God and his perfect, you know, humanity and perfect perfection as, as divinity is saying like, man, I'm on the verge of my soul just being totally uh, in despair and, and broken, and I need somebody to pray for me and lift me up. Like that's, man, that's so powerful. I, I love that line of of help is the most spiritual thing you can ask for. Yeah, it. it sometimes the the most powerful prayers are the simplest ones. Yeah, yeah. Um. So tell me a little bit about, um, I know I was listening to some of your podcasts and of course, just some of your uh, stuff on social media, but I know, and this is something I am going to try to attempt to do in 2023 um, through um, Jonathan's story and your story of trying to do a retreat at a monastery. So I would love to hear kind of like how you got connected with that and kind of your journey in doing that. Yeah, so I went, spent about a four-day, mostly silent prayer retreat at Mepkin Abbey in Monk's Corner, South Carolina. Uh, so it's the first weekend of February. I was about a month out from stepping off the staff at, at Elevation and really just wanted to seek God about what was next. And just uh, and I've been reading so much in the last, in the previous year whether it's from Pete Scazzaro or John Mark Comer or Dallas Willard, just a lot, a lot about these monastic practices. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to just kind of go somewhere completely different, make myself a little uncomfortable. And so I go there and I, I drive up on a Friday and I get there a little bit early and there's about 12 people that are there at one time. And you kind of do your own individual prayer retreat. You're not really supposed to talk to anybody. And I get there that Friday and your cell phones don't work in the building because there's the, I I think it's copper roofs that keep the signal from going. Oh, wow. So I I couldn't use my cell phone and we hadn't had orientation yet. And I sat there in my room for like two hours. It was raining outside. And I was like, God, what in the world am I doing here? This is miserable. I'm going to go crazy for four days without 
having any connection to the outside world. And I came so close to just getting in my car and turning around, <laughs> but thankfully I didn't. Um, because the, the next day, uh, I felt like the Lord just really, the more I got, um, over the addiction I had and the withdrawal symptoms I had from being connected to mm-hmm. all these outside things. Yeah. And the more I started to slow down and just learn to be present in the moment, the more I felt God began to speak to me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we could spend an hour talking about what I learned there, but, um, I felt like the first night I was just journaling so much of the fears I had, the insecurities I had in that season. God was like showing me a lot of sin and pride in my heart. So there was a lot of confession in my journal. And then Saturday became more and more of just like reflecting on God's goodness in that season. And then Sunday became more where I felt like God was saying, I want you to start asking, be specific about what you want uh, to see in this next year. And on Monday, as I was leaving, I felt like the Lord just laid on my heart. um, If you bring me your entire inner world, the good stuff, the bad stuff, the pure motives, the impure motives, I can sort that out. But I want you to bring me your whole heart. And if you do that, if you bring me your inner world, I'll take care of your outer world. So that was probably the main revelation I got from God and just really learning to enjoy the slow, still rhythms of just being in his presence and not feeling the need to have to manufacture something. And then there were the, 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 the aspects of getting to go and watch the fixed prayer that the monks engaged in like seven times a day and how they prayed through the Psalms from a very like musical, almost like a chanting type prayer and just, and, I started to pray through the Psalms in a different way after that, that weekend. Um, I love the reverence and the beauty of some of the ceremony, like in mass and and some of the the prayer times. And so I was, there was a lot that God challenged me on. And yes, I feel like our tradition focuses so much on the intimacy we can have with God Mm -hmm. that sometimes we lose the reverence that we should have for God. And so learning how to carry both of those. Um, that we can come boldly before the throne of grace with confidence because of what Christ did for us, um, yet still be in awe that while we are in the presence of the living God. Yeah. And, and so that was um, a powerful moment for me. And then I had on my last day there, you know, we weren't supposed to talk to anybody, like I said, but the last day this lady came up to me during dinner time. And the meals were really awkward because you're not supposed to talk. And so every like slurp of your soup, it sounds like it's so loud. But, but this lady came, came uh, bent down and said, hey, I was reading this book today. And I felt like I was supposed to give you this one page. And I read that page. And it was exactly an answer to two specific things that I've been praying that weekend. Wow. And just it was just a reminder that the Lord will speak to you when you actually make space to listen. Mm. Uh, and so I don't think you have to go to a monastery to do that. No, uh-uh. But I do think sometimes it's helpful to get out of your comfort zone and put yourself in a position where you have extra time to be in God's or to be aware of God's presence. So mm. that might look like an afternoon after work for somebody. Yeah. It might, it might look like taking your lunch and, your lunch hour and going and doing something 
that's completely focused on the Lord, but I want to be better about prioritizing those type of, of rhythms in my life. Yeah. And that's so good. That's so good. You know, you, you're talking about like, you know, you don't have to go to the monastery to do this. I was thinking about something Tyler Staten talked about when he was talking about a rule of life, but he was saying, anytime you've seen like these saints of God do something impactful for the kingdom, it started with a vow or a rule of life. It started with this, like, this is what I live by in order to experience the presence of God in my life and to abide in him. Mm-hmm. And the first thing he said, the thing you always see is it is counter formative to the culture. You know, like when you go to the desert fathers, it was like, okay, if this is what the rest of the world is reveling in right now and excited about, how do I deform from that and, and almost go against the grain of what culture right. is telling me to do. And I think, and I would love to hear your opinion on this, but it's like, why is this so difficult for people you know like i hear people say all the time i've never heard god speak to me and man when you said that like man we don't make ourselves available for god to speak like there is such a i don't even know if people realize the resistance that we face every single day to keep ourselves from the voice of god so i'd love to hear even your thoughts on like why does this seem like when we start talking about some of this stuff there are people going to be like man that just sounds weird to me I'm not a monk. I'm not a spiritual person or whatever. Like, I think there's the average person that might be listening that says like, that seems really difficult for me. Like dive into that. Yeah. I think there are several reasons why. Um, Some of it is uh, it's a very non-productive thing to do from a strictly um, immediate results oriented standpoint. And as a culture, I think everyone would agree with this. We're addicted to efficiency, to productivity. Yes. And we've built so much of our identity around that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I would say having to readjust to the rhythm of slow, whether it's the pace of life, whether it's prayer, it's just, that is so countercultural. And mm-hmm. so I think that's a hard thing just to stop in general we don't know how to, we don't know how to be bored anymore. We don't know how to just not just start looking and scrolling at our phone. So there's a bit of a, like you said, a, a deformation or re, that we have to relearn how to focus our attention at all. So I think we're starting from a deficit there in general. Mm. Um, then when it comes to prayer, I think there's a lot of confusion around what is maybe there's disappointment because, Hey, I prayed in the past and these things that I prayed for didn't happen. So you don't want to get hurt again by getting your hopes up. Yeah. I think, I think there's the, I don't really know how to pray. Am I just supposed to say whatever comes to mind? Am I supposed to pray the Lord's prayer? Um, you know, I, I think there's, there's the boredom aspect. A lot of people just, mm. it doesn't seem very fun. <laughs> um, but I think it comes from a misunderstanding about what prayer is supposed to be about that. It's never meant to be a means to an end. To me, prayer is the end and the reward itself because prayer is how we have communion with God. Mm. Um, It's how we hear his voice. It's how we bring our whole heart to him. And that was the way we were designed to function in the garden. That's the way we'll function in the new heavens and new earth. And we have access to that now. So if we can truly realize um, 
how important and essential prayer is to actually fulfill our function as a human and as a follower of Jesus. And that prayer can be raw. It can be authentic. It's a lot more listening sometimes than speaking, but also when we speak, it doesn't have to be sanitized. It can be, it can be vulnerable. I think when we start to realize the vastness of what prayer actually is, then you want to lean into it in a different way. You want to engage with it in a different way. And, and I would say a lot of times we tend to think we have to immediately start at the place of like the desert fathers. Oh, I've Mm -hmm. got to pray for an hour. I've got to pray um, in tongues. I've got to pray, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and rather than saying, okay, I can pray, I can do this for five minutes and I'm going to try to spend, I'm going to set a timer on my phone. I'm going to try to spend two minutes in silence and just say, God, will you speak to me? Even if it's not in these two minutes, speak to me at some point throughout the day. And what you find is even in those small moments, your eyes start to be open for ways that God actually is moving throughout the day. Mm. Um, But I think it's, that's something you start to see over time. So we try it for a day, for two days, for a week, and our life doesn't dramatically change. So we stop. It's it's the willingness to be persistent and consistent in it where you start to see the fruit. Yeah. I think that was uh, Ruth Haley Barton's point uh, with Moses. You know, like we see a moment where he runs from Egypt. He ends up right beside a well, which is a metaphor for the soul. And you see a man who in one moment is so broken and angry and you know, has all of this dysfunct family dysfunction and all this stuff to where like 40 years go by and he encounters God in this moment in the desert with a burning bush, you know, and it's just this idea of like, I think, like you said, I think people expect some sort of like epiphany or some sort of like magic moment that tomorrow or in a few weeks, if I do this over a certain amount of time, you know, in the next few months, I should be like, uh, you know, I'm going to be the right. next Billy Graham or, or whatever uh, in my spiritual walk and not realizing like, this is a lifelong journey that we're going on. I, I'm not doing this to go on this short journey for God to do, to change my life tomorrow, but it's changing my inner world for yeah. years and years and years. And even just, just within one week in my prayer time and in my journaling this last week, I went from at the big, uh, this was last week on a Monday journaling about how overcome with gratitude I felt that day about so many things from God. And then five days later I was journaling like, God, I don't feel you at all. I feel like there's, and I mean, massive swings in my own heart. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think I used to beat myself up about that. I'm like, oh, I can't believe I'm like five days later, I'm feeling this way. And now I'm just finding that's just being real. <laughs> that's just being yes. Yes. Um, a, a regular person. And it's it's coming to God and just showing up no matter how I feel, mm. that I'm learning that over time, that's how the transformation takes place. It's just it's showing up saying, God, I don't feel it today. And then even being willing to try the reason I like referring to them more as rhythms than disciplines is because they're really the same thing, but I think rhythm highlights the fact that it can change over time. And so the way I might pray in this season might look different in the next season. So this summer 
I really enjoyed doing prayer walks in the morning and I would pray through different Psalms and use that as a prompt to pray for different people. And then it started getting really dark in the morning again. So I, I don't do that anymore. And I'm finding new rhythms back at the house. Yeah. But it's, it's when something gets stale, it's trying to find, okay, there's the rhythm of prayer that I'm going to hold on to, but I can flow in that rhythm differently in each season. Yeah. Yes. No, that's so good. I'm the same way. Like, you know, I have a spot on my back porch that I love to sit in my rocking chair and I can look overlook these cornfields. And, but as it gets colder, you know, it's, it's tough for me to do that in the morning. So I have a spot mm-hmm. in the house that I go to now, but yeah, I'm so glad you said that. Cause that's exactly what I was going to bring up is like, I can look through my journal and there's times where it's like, dude, I wrote like, I couldn't stop writing today. And then there's days where it's like, you know, it's like, well, I don't, you know, I'm just not feeling it. Today or just, I, th- I think I'm a Christian today. I, yeah, I'm not real sure, you know, and then there's days where it's like, man, I can feel like, man, I'm so emotionally healthy. I can handle anything today. And then there's days where it's like, I got an email or a text and now I've, I got to go back to counseling tomorrow. You know, <laughs> it's like, what happened? You know? Uh-huh. Um, but I think that's the beauty of it. Right. It's the beauty of this journey. You know, you brought up the garden. Cause I think, and I was just thinking about this when you said it, cause I thought it was so powerful, but this idea of rhythms. And I think the thing that we miss is like, even in the garden, there was that rhythm, right? God showed up every day in the same place. Every day he showed up to walk in the garden, to speak to Adam and Eve. And then of course you see that powerful moment, like where one day that rhythm was thrown off because they were in hiding. And I, I, and when you were talking, it gave me this picture of like, you know, I, I don't know that they were hiding as in the fact of like, they're hiding behind a tree, you know, watching God move, I think hiding comes in the form of like, we just remove ourselves from a rhythm, you know, for mm-hmm. God to speak and hiding looks like busyness. Hiding looks like worry, anxiety, Oh yeah, you know, basically putting ourselves in a different space where God cannot speak to us in that. In that that's rhythm. so good. And, and I think that's what a lot of people run into is like, you know, it, it's not realizing, man, that God, God is still in the rhythm of speaking to us. We just removed ourselves from that space, you know, mm-hmm. to, you know, um, and that's so good. And I would, any tips on like, and we can talk about this offline or, or shoot me a text or something on how to like get connected on some of these places. Cause I, I was talking to Jonathan about it, but I mean, trying to figure out like how, how do you, do you, did you call, did you email this place about trying to get into one of these retreats? Yeah. I just looked it up online and there was a way that you could sign up and apply. They offer, I mean, they're limited spaces and oh, you usually okay. have to sign up in advance, but they, they host these retreats throughout the year, yeah. at least for this particular one. That's sweet, man. That's super cool. I can even send you the link and you can put it in your show notes or something. If you yeah, want to, that'd be great. That'd be fantastic. Well, I know like you, uh, of course you're working. I don't know if you're, if you're at Liberty to tell us about the book you're working on and what that's kind of about, but I would love for you to talk to us about your ebook at least. Cause I know it's, it's free, it's downloadable and you can even give us uh, some information to put in the show notes and how people can download that free ebook. But the ebook is about the the seven, um, rhythms to renew your soul. Is that correct? Did I say that? Yeah. Right? To, to renew the health of your soul. Yep. To renew the health of your soul. So um, talk to us about that and kind of what inspired that and, um, kind of what you hope to, to, for people to get from this. Yeah, it, it really was my attempt to put down, um, uh, the, the areas that I'd find found helpful for me in my own rule of life. Um, 
And as I was doing a lot of coaching in the last year and I was walking people through finding healthy rhythms uh, and really latching onto that word of rhythm of let's find, you know, because I'm an old worship leader and I, I think musically sometimes um, there's certain notes that you play within a song and the rhythm is kind of the, the speed at which you play those notes. And sometimes they're faster, sometimes they're slower, but the song provides the structure um, that allows um, allows you to operate and flow in a rhythm. And so I think this was my way of saying, let's take these seven rhythms that speak to key areas of your heart and your life mm. and, and realize that you're, you're not, you don't just have a spiritual you and then a physical you and then a social, social you. It's all your you. It's all together. Mm. It's all integrated. And one rhythm affects the other rhythm. And so there's a series of questions with each of them. And I can even tell you what the rhythms are. Um, let's see, I have it pulled up. And so it's a rhythm of contemplation on God, mm. uh, a rhythm of caring for your body and mind, a rhythm of ceasing to strive and choosing to rest, a rhythm of corporate worship and contribution in church, a rhythm of cheerful generosity in your time and resources a rhythm of close connection and confession with trusted friends, and then a rhythm of celebration and fun. And so what the ebook does is it walks you through number one, some scriptural foundation for why each of those are important, then gives you some questions to ask yourself. And then some prompts of here are, um, I call them small step options and stretching step options. So if you really want to just dip your toe in the water with the rhythm. Here's a place you can start. It doesn't have to look like this, but it's at least a way to get you thinking. And then if you really want to stretch yourself, here's what that could look like. Mm. And so I found it, I really made it to be a resource for the people that I was coaching. And then as I was putting it together, I was like, well, let's just make this available to everybody because it's helpful for me and it seemed helpful for them. And so that's kind of where the idea was born. That's so all. It's, it's in essence, it's my way to help people craft a rule of life. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And maybe share with us like a few things, how you started off sim with simple little practices and how it turned and how it's kind of maybe a few that's kind of morphed into like, this has gotten deeper and, and more, I guess, um, more in depth for yourself. Like where are a few yeah. things that's happening in your own life? I mean, even like prayer would be a great one to start with. So I started in 2020 was trying to incorporate number one times of silence and then fixed prayer throughout the day. Those are some of my goals. And a friend of mine encouraged me to try to every day at lunch, pray the Lord's prayer. And so what I did was at lunch, I would just take a walk around the office at elevation and I would just pray the Lord's prayer and then try to just walk in silence for the rest of my uh, rest of that five minutes. And not every day felt spiritual when I did that. Some days it felt stale, but what it did was in the middle of my day, a lot of times when I would be at my most stressed after like a bunch of meetings, it would help me pause and remember that God was with me, that, um, he was going to be the one to give me my daily bread, that if any bitterness was starting to take root, he, it would remind me to forgive. And so it was a, a reset in the middle of my day towards faith for the remainder of my day. And so then that helped me to adopt wanting to do that on a regular basis. Um, and then at night doing a, a, a prayer of examine at night. So I really started to embrace fixed prayer just because 
I prayed the Lord's prayer every day for a year, but it was that small thing that was a building block. And then with like times of silence in the morning, it started with doing Lectio 365, that app. Yes. And it had, that had like very small targeted times of silence. And then it was, okay, I'm going to try five minutes of silence. And then after a few weeks of getting comfortable with that, then I would try 10 and then I would do 20. Um, and then it was experimenting with, I've never been a journaler before. So let me try doing a journal. And it was, but it all started with me just carving out a little bit of time in my prayer life yeah. and small wins became uh, fueled greater momentum, I would say. Um, so that's how my prayer life, it worked. Um, I would say too, with, let me pick another one. Okay. For like rhythm of caring for your body and your mind. I started to try to be way more consistent with my workouts and with my diet. Cause before then I'd ate like a five-year-old. I loved anything with powdered sugar on it, any kind of pastry, any donut. But I found that when I, when I exercised more on a regular basis and I ate better, I was had a clear mind, had a clear focus. I felt better, but it wasn't just that it was, I realized that my wife and I at night, we had gotten in the habit of saying watching our shows was how we would unwind. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it, that's all we were doing at night. And I realized that we could spend hours doing that. And then I'd go to bed late and I'd struggle to pray in the morning. Mm -hmm. So we decided to set, um, we did this for a long time too. In this, in this rhythm, we did Sunday night to Wednesday night, there was going to be no TV and we would either read or talk. And then on the weekends, we would let ourselves watch TV and just doing that changed the game for us too. Uh, And it got me back in a rhythm of reading to, I realized how much I love to read. And I was able to read more books that year than I'd ever done in my life. Um, And we're not in that same rhythm of, you know, never any TV from Sunday to to Wednesday right right now, but we know when we get out of balance with it now. Mm. So that, that was another example of, of monitoring, Hey, this used to be what I thought filled my soul. Yeah. And now it doesn't Sabbath is another good example. Um, Sabbath to me used to just be a day off mm-hmm. and now I'm really, cause there was no atten- intentionality to it. So now we're, you know, as a family, we on Sabbath before it used to be, let's just get all of our chores done. Or like when we first started this rhythm, we we're like, let's just get our chores done before Sabbath. So we cannot do any work on Sabbath. Yeah. And that, that was a win. Now we're doing things like putting our phones in these little buckets or this one bucket. So we're not on our phone during Sabbath. That's good. And now we're trying to do um, a rhythm of communion on Sabbath. So we're constantly trying to experiment and change and and add on it, but it all starts with that that first step. Dude. And it's incredible. The let deal 365 stuff is so good. Uh, They have a family version too. I don't know if you've seen that or not, but that's actually what we do with our kids before they go to school every morning. But what's powerful about that is that it becomes, are you still there? I don't know. Wade's froze up on us. Well, hopefully we'll get Wade back in just a moment. Are you there? Yeah. Okay. I don't know what happened. It, we can edit that out though okay. um, what i was saying is um the let deal 365 stuff is a game changer 
Um, they have a family version. I don't know if you've seen the family version. I've seen that. Yeah. But we do that with our kids before they go to school every morning. And so that's a cool rhythm that they've gotten into. Like we know, Hey, we're going to gather in the kitchen at this time, you know, walk through this app together, pray together and then go to school. Uh, but what's really awesome is it without even like prompting it, like my son now he's seven and he, he won't go to bed until we listen to the night, the nighttime. Oh, I okay. love that. He's like, he listen to Lectio and that's like his prompt. Like he, he ends up falling asleep by the end of it. And I'm like, man, this is amazing. Like I'm hoping that's like a, a habit that he keeps in his life yeah. as he gets older. But that's been a really powerful tool that at first it was just like, it was something special for me, but now it's kind of, you know, rubbing off on my family. And I, I got some guys at church that I just, you know, said, Hey guys, check this out if you want to, you know, and then it was cool. It was just like, guy after guy was texting like, man, this app is awesome. Like I've incorporated it into my day and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, it, it really is like, I think sometimes we think that it's so big and grandiose. We can't ever get there, but it's, it's literally five to 10 minutes. How can you take five to 10 minutes mm -hmm. and maybe even in multiple increments in your day that, you know, before you know, it, it's like, man, I've spent 45 minutes in prayer throughout the day, maybe not in one setting, but throughout right. the day, I've, I've brought my attention back to the presence of God and the awareness that he's there. And so, yeah. and that's so powerful. Um, so what is one particular rhythm that you would challenge people? And I'm, I'm assuming I'm probably know what you're going to say, but if you could say like, Hey, do this, like if somebody's listening right now and they're like, where do I start? What's the one rhythm you would say that this right here will lead to the other rhythms that are going to you know, renew the health of your soul? What's the one you would tell people to start with? I mean, it's, it's the one that I start the ebook with, which is the rhythm of contemplation on God. Mm. Um, just because I think prayer is the, I mean, it's the foundation of the Christian practice of like the way we're supposed to live our lives. Like Paul says, pray without ceasing. Yeah but we don't even know how to pray for five minutes right now. Yeah. Um, and so if you can just like win there, like learn, like pray the way you can right now mm -hmm. and start with Lectio 365. That's a great, like I tell everybody I know to start there. Um, and then you can start, you can pray through a Psalm. You can try being silent for two minutes and ask God mm -hmm. to speak. There's so many different tools. I think God, um, God just wants your heart. He just wants you to like say, yes. I to recognize your need and your dependence on him. Yes. And so I think if you can start there, then your heart's going to be more in tune to hear God's voice leading you in the other rhythms. Yeah. But I, I think it's just pressing pause on your day and saying, God, I'm going to lay down the idol of productivity. I'm going to lay down the idol of trying to be significant and be special and I'm just going to pause and be in your presence. And I think God honors that, you know, the promise of draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Yeah, His, his presence is always there, but we're not opening our hearts to see it yeah. and to experience it. And so that, that's where I would start. I know, you probably heard that quote from Comer where he says, um, I guess it was an interview that they did with, um, uh, uh, wow, my brain just went dead. Um the the famous uh wow my brain uh, famous, <laughs> the famous nun uh oh teresa. mother teresa. Oh, teresa wow okay i couldn't even think of mother teresa that's bad uh but they did an interview i guess with her and they asked her like um so 
what, what do you say to God when you pray? And she says, nothing. I just sit there. And he said, well, what does God say to you? And, uh, she says nothing. He just listens. And, uh, and they, they said that they're just confused. You can see the confused look on their faces. And she was just like, if you can't understand that, I can't explain it to you. You know, it's just like this powerful yeah. moment of just like, I think we do miss the power of just contemplating on the presence of God and being in the moment with him. You know, I think we think we have to fill it with a bunch of words and a bunch of stuff. Um, but just contemplating on his presence is huge, man. So that's so golden. And it's also where I think it's Henry Nowen who talks about you know, really rooting yourself that you're God's beloved. Mm. Um, And it's when you sit in silence that not only are you contemplating on God, but then you're also able to get a fresh understanding of how God feels towards you. Yeah. And, and man, to to be able to fill your soul up in that way helps you not be um, in need of trying to fill it up in ways that are more destructive. Yes. So if you can tell us a little bit about the book you're working on. Yeah. So it's, um, it is done. It is turned in and will be out sometime in the fall of 2023. So that's, (laughs) I don't think I'm allowed to say the title just yet. Yeah. 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 But it's an exploration on, uh, how I believe in not just in culture, but in, in the church today, we have tended to idolize, our own dreams and our own plans. Yeah. And we take those and we put them in the place of our purpose. Mm. And so when those don't happen, then we get angry with God because we think yeah. he took our purpose away or, and because we're operating with the wrong sense of purpose, the wrong sense of, of what a calling actually is. And so this book helps look at a biblical understanding of what calling and purpose actually is and how to still dream, but to dream with open hands yeah. and to, to surrender our hearts to the Lord and, and to find the beauty in when Jesus says those who um, want to save their life must lose it. Mm. Um, and so it, it's, it's about that. And I, I look at the story of David when David wanted to build the temple and God said no to that dream of his, yeah. but how you know David wanted to build a house for God, but God wanted to build a house through David. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, and I look at my own life of being a worship leader who got to build something that was my dream at the time, but then I had to step away from it and realize that I'd built my identity on the wrong thing. And I've got kids with special needs who we had certain dreams for our family that didn't pan out the exact way we thought, but God met us with his goodness and grace and, and those situations. So everyone has some dream in their life that didn't work out. Yeah. So this book is meant to help you process what to do with those dreams. Yeah, man, that's so good. Speaking of, you have a podcast dreamers and disciples. That's right. And that's on Spotify, iTunes. Are you on YouTube or no? Not on YouTube yet, but I think that's close. Okay. So definitely uh, encourage people to check that podcast out. Um, so what are a few, like, I always like to end my episodes with a few keys to victory. You could give people mm-hmm. one or two, like, Hey, here's how you can win today. Like today, if you're going to take away something from this episode, what are some of those keys to victory you give somebody? Yeah. The, the, the keys, I mean, I'll, I'll just get really practical. Yeah. Uh, 
I would say try taking five minutes at lunch in your day and just do what I did. Pray the Lord's prayer. Yeah. Pray it, pray it. And then say, God, will you please speak to me? Yeah. And just do that consistently for a month. Mm. You can do anything. You can do that for a month and just see what the Lord does. Like make space for him in the middle of your day and show the Lord that you trust him enough to press pause on your schedule because you want to be with him. That's so good. And, and yeah, I, I think, I think you will find that there is a difference in your soul because of it. I agree. And I would just add that if you have not downloaded Lectio 365, that's L E C T I O 365. I would encourage you to do that as well. Cause that's something yes. to play and, and listen. Um, and it's usually eight to 10 minutes. Um, so it's, it's, it's not like it's a huge chunk of time. Uh, anybody can do it. Start your day off with that. So um, man, wait, I can't thank you enough for your time today. Um, I just, oh, I've, I've really loved it. You. Thank you. I really appreciate you. And I, I just want to encourage people. You can follow him at Wade joy on Instagram. Uh, check out his podcast dreamers and disciples. Also, um, he is a, you are a worship leader coach. And so is there maybe some information you can share? Like if you're a worship leader listening, or you know, somebody that, you know, they, Hey, and they really need to go through mm -hmm. his coaching. Um, what information can you share on that? Yeah, you just go to wadejoy.com. There's some information there. I just um, released a course called Performer to Pastor, okay. uh, le level up from leading songs to serving people. And so the course is closed for the rest of the year, but I'll reopen it probably in January. But there's still other options of how I can work with you. Just go to wadejoy.com. Yeah, and that is where they can also download the free ebook. Is that correct? Yes, you can get the ebook at wadejoy.com as well. Put the and don't forget to put the e on the joy. People. Yes, that almost sometimes. forgot that. Almost forgot that. Yes, it's joy with an e at the end. J O Y E. So yeah, don't forget that. Well, brother, man, as always, honored, grateful, and uh, look forward to reading that book when it comes out, man. And um, thank I appreciate you. your podcast. I appreciate everything you do to help pour into people because you're you're definitely pouring into me from a distance, and I appreciate that, man. I I feel the exact same way about you. I really appreciate your heart, your ministry, and just. You know, when I was at your church earlier this year, just seeing your passion for people's inner world, you weren't mm -hmm. just trying to have people look apart. You really want them to experience transformation in Jesus mm -hmm. and just the way you're leading. It really, really inspires me. So thank you. I appreciate that. Don't forget, guys, you were made to win and winning starts within.